Scratch everything I've said about Howard men's basketball this offseason. It's time to panic. Oh, yeah. It's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. You see it right here at the bottom of the screen while you're following me on Twitter. And this might be even more important than following me on Twitter because hopefully you're doing that already. Please report at Mouth of the South. This person does not use their Twitter. I wouldn't be malicious and just try to get the name off, but that is my name. I am the rightful owner of at Mouth of the South on Twitter. I just haven't yet owned it. So that's mine. I deserve that. So go ahead and report them. Let's go ahead and get that profile kicked out of here and let's bring it back to Locked on HBC or bring it to Locked on HBCU. So. While you're there, don't forget the S on the Inner South exclusives. You know the drill and all of that thing if you're on the audio side of things. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can visit them at fanduel.com slash locked on today to make every moment more. Now the Tuskegee women's basketball coach is leaving the program to go to the D1 ranks. Not really a big surprise. Xavier Smith's biggest asset in the NFL draft this year is you have to wait. But before we get into that, to any of it, please scratch everything that you have heard me say about Howard men's basketball and their championship aspirations going into next season and the year after that. Scratch it all. Throw it all in the trash. Matter of fact, trash day is tomorrow. I'm going to put it in the trash myself because it doesn't matter anymore. It is time to panic. Now, this is shaping up to be arguably the best trilogy that I have ever done on Locked on HBCU. See, Elijah Hawkins has hit the transfer portal, and that's the reason that Howard and the fans, I believe, should be a little bit panicked. And this one's for you, Chip, who asked me, when am I going to talk about this? I'm talking about it today, Chip. So, let's go through the first two movies, because now we're back with another update. And it all started when I said Howard is, of course, a championship caliber team next year. They're returning everybody. They're so young. They're going to have pretty much the same team rolling out there next year that they're going to or that they had this past season. So, of course, they're a championship quality team. Matter of fact, I think they can three-peat. A lot of confidence there, right? Movie two, you got to have an obstacle. You have something that you something that's changed while you're gone. Well, Steve Settle, he's entered the transfer portal. So now a big piece of Howard's team is gone. But guess what? I wasn't sweating. I wasn't tripping. You know why? Because I told you that Elijah Hawkins and Shai Odoms were such a good duo that I believe they can three-peat. So, of course, I believe they can repeat. Now, if there was anything that I learned 
from Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk. I know we try not to talk about that in the MCU community, but if there was anything that I learned from that movie, it was that you should never, ever, ever, ever ask somebody, is that all that they've got? Now, I thought I was just giving a commentary on where Howard stood after the Steve Settle transfer. But apparently, in reaffirming my confidence around their championship caliber, their championship makeup, I was taunting the Hulk, a.k.a. the transfer portal. And just like Blonsky in that movie, just like Granddad in the Boondocks, I got kicked in my chest. Elijah Hawkins is gone. Elijah Hawkins, the leading scorer, the big-time player for the Howard Bison, former Rookie of the Year, has now entered the transfer portal and is likely on his way out of D.C. Jordan Wood also left. However, Wood's transfer kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. It does matter, but it kind of gets lost in the shuffle when you have a player like Elijah Hawkins leaving. And to me, the the the... The decision to transfer by Elijah Hawkins is significantly worse than the decision by Steve Settle. Let me let me phrase that. I don't want to talk about decision making. Losing Elijah Hawkins is way worse than losing Steve Settle to me. Now, I understand they both do things exceptional. Both are really good scorers. Settle is good with rebounds and blocks. Then you have Hawkins, who's good with assists and steals. So it's about the same amount of things. Hawkins is the leading scorer, but that little 1.8 isn't going to make a difference for me to say that this is way worse. This is way worse because look at how many assists that this man had. Hawkins had 185 assists. I had to go through the second leader the third leader, the fourth leader, and the fifth leader combine all of their numbers just to barely get past how many assists that Elijah Hawkins had by himself. If you don't really like numbers, that's okay. I'll put it in just words. By Howard losing Elijah Hawkins, they're losing the ball handler, the facilitator, the orchestrator of their offense, and arguably their best player. Is that number free enough for you? I think it is. Right. We're going to get back to the numbers, though. See, the, the fall off after steals, not so drastic. However, with Hawkins being one and two in both of these categories, Jelani Williams was two or excuse me, number one in both of these categories. Jelani Williams was two in both of these categories. Well, Jelani Williams was a grad student, which means he's out of here. This is expected. Jelani Williams is gone. So now. You're losing Elijah Hawkins and Jelani Williams into the tune of 259 assists and 96 steals. Guys, that is ridiculous. That is 259 assists by two players and one's really it's 185 by one guy. That's what you're losing in Elijah Hawkins. 185 assists. The leading player in assists in the conference, not just your team, but the conference. Man, this is a big blow. Now, replacing Steve Settle to me, it, I'm not going to say it was easy, but the route to do it was clear. I knew what I wanted to replace Steve Settle. A mixture of Shy Odoms and Bryce Harris, but an emphasis on Shy Odoms. How am I replacing Elijah Hawkins? The answer is still Shy Odoms but not doing what Elijah Hawkins did. He's going to have to fill the void of what Elijah Hawkins represented. See, I don't know who's going to be that guy who scores the most points, brings in all the assists, gets all these steals. I don't know. Especially the steals and assists, I'm not putting that on Odoms. 
but Odoms is going to have to be the man. If Hawkins, or excuse me, if Howard wants to be a championship team next year, Odoms is going to have to be the guy. And that's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of faith to put in a player in year two. I think that Odoms can get there. But to say you have to get there immediately, that's concerning to me. That's very concerning to me. And to put that much faith in there, it takes my confidence away. So now back to the beginning of all of this. And I don't just mean the beginning of this movie. I mean the beginning of our trilogy. The question that started it all. Can Howard be a championship team next year? Ask me a month ago, yeah. Ask me after the first transfer, yeah. I ain't swayed a bit. Ask me today, the answer even isn't even yes. The answer is maybe, but it's no longer dependent on how good Howard is. That's no longer the base of confidence. Now to answer that question, I have to look at what the rest of the MIAC is putting on the floor. And that's the biggest difference. Now I want to move forward and talk about the biggest assets. I want to talk about why Xavier Smith is so valuable, especially as a late round pick to a couple of teams in the NFL draft as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I wanted to wait until the play-in games were over the first round at least, and you have the Atlanta Hawks, and you have the Los Angeles Lakers, who are going to be your seven seeds in the East and the West, the Miami Heat, and the Minnesota Timberwolves will have their pick of whoever wins between 9 and 10 on Thursday, I believe it is. It's either Thursday or Friday. But if you thought the Timberwolves were going to win, if you thought the Heat were going to win, and you put your money down and you just so happened to be wrong, don't worry. If it was on FanDuel, first bet, no sweat. You get up to $1,000 back in free bets. So nobody walks away a loser. You kind of like the Timberwolves. You kind of like the Heat. You get another chance. Now it's up to you to make the best use of it. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make every moment more. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. What is Xavier Smith's biggest asset? going into the NFL draft. It's his special team's ability. It's his ability to be a return man on kick returns and punt returns. We know what his biggest attraction is. The man's 5'9". That's what it is. You know, I think that's his biggest attraction, even over being an FCS HBCU player. It's the fact that he is 5'9". And I'm not mixing negative in with a very positive story because I felt like there needed to be a blend. That negativity simply is just context for why returning is his biggest asset. Now for me, I love Xavier Smith as a prospect. I, I genuinely do, I promise you. But we have to understand that his lack of height is going to be above everything else. And that's probably the first and maybe only time that anybody will ever say that Xavier Smith's height is above everything else. It's probably the only time that that'll happen. But because he's 5'9", a lot of people are not going to give him a chance at wide receiver immediately. Because he's 5'9", a lot of people are just going to count him out. And yeah, FCS school, HBCU prospect, that might count him out on certain people boards as well, but I'm not even going to take it to that level. I'll tell you what being an FCS prospect doesn't 
count him out of, doesn't disqualify him from. I'll tell you what being 5'9 doesn't disqualify him from. It doesn't disqualify him from being a returner. Matter of fact, that's kind of the, the space he's going to be pigeonholed into because of his size. Oh, you a, you a 5'9 wide receiver? Yeah, come catch these punts. Let's see what you can do. That's just, that's just the truth of the matter, and that's why it's his biggest asset. But you know what? I'm not just pulling this out my John Brown hind parts. I'm not just saying this because, oh, I need something to talk about when it comes to the draft. I'm not just saying this because I want Xavier Smith to be drafted or think he deserves to be drafted. I'm not saying it because of any of these reasons. I'm saying it because the Los Angeles Rams, after FAMU's pro, they said, hey, short dog, Xavier Smith, come over here. Go through, these, go through these special team drills. Let me stop. I want to interview Xavier Smith. If you know Xavier Smith, put me in contact. I might have to uh, might have to DM him because I do want to interview him. And I'll ask him about his height and all of those things because I know he's heard it. But anywho, they said, listen, Xavier Smith, we want to put you through these special team drills. And after the Los Angeles Rams did it, then you had two more teams who came in and said, you know what? That ain't a bad idea. You know, I actually think that's going to be pretty good for him. So then after the Rams came in, you had the Bears and the Titans, and they did the exact same thing. Now, they said that the Bears have a ton of interest in Xavier Smith, according to the Pro Football Network, I believe it was. And then they also say that the Chargers, in addition to the Bears, but the Chargers have a ton of interest in Xavier Smith. They weren't one of the three teams to put him through these special team drills, though. So I don't know if that means they like him as a wide receiver or they also project him to be a kick returner, punt returner. I don't know. But either way, that's another team with a ton of interest. That's exactly what they said. A ton of interest in quotes. So I want to make sure that I say that the same way that they said it in the article. Now, whoever picks them up, they're likely going to do that because most late round picks, they have to play special teams of some capacity to stay on the team. Now, the difference between Smith and some of these other guys is Smith is being drafted to be a kick returner. He's not going to need to play special teams to make the team. He's going to make the team because he plays special teams. That's the difference. That is the difference. I look at somebody like Justin Hardy, right? I think he's with the, yeah, he's with the Jets now. He left my Saints. But he made the team because, he's, because he plays special teams. He's one of the best gunners in the game. See, there's other people who are going to be the third, fourth linebacker. Well, if you're going to be the third, fourth linebacker, you got to do something. Meanwhile, you look at a guy like Xavier Smith, you'll keep six wide receivers. Not because he's going to be an asset on the offense, but because he's such a good kick returner that, yeah, we'll keep another at that position. But here's the thing. Think about what the best ability for Xavier Smith is. You might think it's hands run after the catch knack for getting into the end zone right whatever you might think it is the just his ability to maneuver in traffic all of these are great i love these abilities i really like him as a prospect so i understand you might have a multitude that, of things that you like for him but his biggest asset is being a special teamer it's being a return specialist and that's because let's look at being a return specialist as an entry level position you have to do this first before you start working your way up the company. He'll get in. He'll make the roster his fastest as a return specialist. And then maybe if he, with time, gets the playbook and all of those things, and we just see some packages and in, in, in practice, then he start earning his way onto the offense and getting some reps as a part of a slot receiver or maybe the fourth receiver on a formation. But he's going to have to start being a return specialist first, and that's the reason that's his biggest asset in the NFL draft. Now, speaking of people who are big-time assets, 
Coach Powell out there at Tuskegee, the women's basketball coach has left the Golden Tigers and is now moving on to the University of New Orleans. And it's because she showed herself to be a big time coach. Let's dive into her resume as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day and making it all the way to segment three. I thank you two times for that. Tomorrow's episode will be about Jackson State. I promise. There was just something that I felt was more time sensitive. I felt it was more time sensitive to talk about Elijah Hawkins leaving Howard. So I felt I could push back Jackson State for a day because the spring game isn't until Saturday. So you're really not missing anything by me waiting a day. Now, with all of that being said, Coach Powell is leaving Tuskegee women's basketball team because she proved herself to be a big time coach. And now she's leaving because she proved herself to be a big time coach. It's really that simple. This is not a complicated situation. Tuskegee is a D2 program. Tuskegee is a Division II program. University of New Orleans is a Division I program. Most times, if a coach shows themselves to be big time and they're doing it on the D2 level, they will move up. They will leave you, period. That's just common sense. That's why she's gone. You know, is, is that blunt? I don't, I don't know, but I felt like it needed to be said that way because there's no way to sugarcoat it up. I wouldn't want to. The truth of the matter is, no matter if you're an HBCU, a PWI, if you are a Division II school and you have a really big time coach, I'm going to say nine times out of ten, that coach is leaving you. Period. If they achieve enough, they show themselves to be of the caliber that a Division I, an FCS, a mid-major, whatever, wants their services, it's time for you to find a new coach. Now, you look at what Powell was able to do in the last five years. Let's look at it. So five years ago, Coach Powell takes over a team that won six games the year before. She turns them into a 20-win team immediately. Immediately. Not in a couple of years. The next season, her first season there, they're a 20-win team. It was the first time that they had done that since the year 2000. So that's big time. So it's been almost 20 years since you had a 20-win season. When the four years since, it's been kind of a regular occurrence. You had three 21 seasons in a five-year span. That's really good. I like that. I'll, I'll take that. Every other year, that's solid. But you keep climbing up. It's become so regular that this season, they won 20 games in the SEAC alone. Not 20 games overall this year. 20 games in your conference. Undefeated in your conference. This was the culmination of everything that she was able to achieve. Working away from 20 to 22, to 24. Big time coach, big time resume, big time victories. Of course, a 20-0 record in the SEAC leads to you being the coach of the year. We know that. We see the wins. You see getting to the NCAA tournament. We see these things. But what you might not pay as much attention to because you see it is the fact that she's been able to develop talent as well. You look at Willis. You look at Jackson. Jackson wins the player of the year in the SEAC two years back-to-back. Willis wins the Defensive Player of the Year two years back-to-back in the SEAC. She's developed this talent, and Willis has only been here for three years. In the first year, she only played nine games. So what are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about a coach 
that has taken a program that was a single-digit win team, made them a 20-win team, quadruple, excuse me, not quadruple, but tripled the win total in one season. Then went on top of that, said 22. Then on top of that, said 24. And we're going to go ahead and go undefeated in the SEAC. That's a big-time coach. She struck while the iron is hot, and she did what was smart for her. It made a lot of sense. If you have aspirations of moving up from the D2 ranks to the D1 ranks, which is what she did by going to UNO, why not go after having an undefeated conference season, winning coach of the year yet again? This is I think this was actually her first time in this conference, but it's her second time in general in her coaching tenure amongst the different places that she's been. You've shown your ability to develop talent. You look at Jackson, she's gotten significantly better since Coach Powell has came around because she was there before Coach Powell and had some injuries and all of those things. She's gotten significantly better under Coach Powell. Willis comes in, two-time defensive player of the year. Victories, development, big-time coach. That's why she's headed on to UNO. And we'll see what Tuskegee women's basketball does now because these are some big shoes to fill. But at least she left it significantly better than she took it on. Like I said, tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about the T.C. Taylor era in Jackson State. It's beginning with the spring game. I kind of count this slash spring, the, the recruiting class as the genesis, the beginning of the T.C. Taylor era. So let's really dive into it on tomorrow's episode. As long as nothing big drops in the time between going to sleep, recording this and, and waking up. In the meantime, in between time, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen of the day, make sure, or excuse me, in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusive, soon to be mouth of the South, fingers crossed. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed, play is messed up too. Peace.